Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Cook throws the deep ball and it's wide open. Inside the 30, Lovett makes a move. They'll stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burton, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri. This is the Mazzotcast. Well, howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, we come to you now with the Tigers regular season complete, and it ended with a bang, and the Missouri Tigers came out victorious once again over the Arkansas Razorbacks, 29-27. to bit of a surprise to me. I think we both kind of didn't see this one coming, but uh, good on Eli Drinkwitz and company for uh, getting us bowl eligible and, you know, we, we win this bowl and I think all of our kvetching and complaining and bitching about the direction of the program, you know, we're above 500 and the trajectory is kind of where we thought it might be at the beginning of the season. Do you think the ship got righted, Colin? Well, I never really thought the ship was completely unrighted, which is the reason I have sort of been you're staying on the Brinkwitz bandwagon because my problems with this team are always at quarterback and not really with much else. Well, um, I'm going to stop you right there, the- Colin, because you, know, you say you didn't think the ship was right, not righted, but I believe you dubbed this the lost season. It is the lost season because of the quarterback. And that's what I'm saying. I, I, the quarterback is my problem with Drinkwitz. I don't, you know, I think part of that is, is I think the play calling that you see that everyone gets so upset about, including myself, is that the play calling is limited because of Brady Cook. And I think you've seen the play calling open up the last two or three games, and Brady Cook has looked better. This game was the first game where I, we Tigers really, truly won because of Brady Cook instead of in spite of him. Yeah, I think we actually – It was a good game. We have to give credit where credit's due with Brady Cook, specifically in the first half, because we did only put up nine points in the second half, all field goals. But in the first half, Brady Cook – gave us offense and was the offense, both with his legs and with a number of passes that, uh, you know, while not beautiful, got the job done. Now, having said what I've said, Brady Cook is still a problem. And 
he's not going to become not a problem. And so it, it does aggravate me a little bit when I start seeing in the Twitter that, again, the tones very much quickly start to change on Brady Cook. Like, will he challenge next year for the starting job? Is right. this and that? I'm like, listen, guys, Brady Cook is not limited because he's an in training who can't play football. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 limited because physically he just doesn't throw a football very well. And he just doesn't make reads and progressions very quickly. And he's just physically limited as a quarterback. And that's not something you can coach up. You can't make his arm stronger. The, um, well, and it's not just – it's the accuracy too that uh, – I mean, I guess you can uh, you can't improve accuracy. But like, well, I remember one of those passes that Lovett caught that was a big catch. Lovett ended up going to the ground because the ball was thrown behind him and he had to reach backwards oh, to get it. The, the player of the game for this offense, as good as Brady Cook looked – is the wide receivers, you know, it was pointed on the telecast on several different occasions that receivers came up with difficult catches to make big plays. You know, they weren't get they weren't, that ball wasn't being put on. Them. And again, I don't want to, I, I don't want to drag on Brady Cook too much because it was a good game, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. He is limited. You're, you're going to have games where those balls, difficult balls don't get caught. And you're going to go back and say, and look at this is Brady Cook. And then, you know, he made that colossal, colossal boneheaded play where he turned like a 47 or 46 yard field goal into like a 54 yard field goal from the left hash by taking a giant sack and running out of balance. And so there's definitely issues with Brady Cook that aren't, weren't solved in this game. But Brady Cook had a good game and he was as much a reason that we won this game as any football player on the field today. Yeah. And I think as we- far as it being a surprising result, it's strange with our defenses being as good as that it, it is it never feels completely outside the realm of possibility that you can really punch a team in the mouth. And that's what happened to Arkansas. I think, especially if you look at their fan base, they're like, they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. No. They, they thought they were going to, they thought this was Vanderbilt. They were going to sleepwalk through the Missouri Tigers. But if any Arkansas fan has paid any attention to uh, Mizzou's football scene is that while our team may not be a top 25 football team, we had a top 10 defense. You know, the only team that really has had their way with this defense is Tennessee. And I guess K-State, but it's hard to even count that because it's the first game of the season. Right. Um, nobody other than Tennessee has had their way with this defense, and it continues to come from the defensive line and the pressure they're, ab- they're, they're able to generate with uh, McGuire. Um, it's, it's impressive. I'll tell you, I think, Colin, it was one of the most impressive defensive performances of the season for Mizzou in a season where we had a lot of very impressive defensive performances. And the reason why is a a couple things. Arkansas, one, scores a lot of points. If you look at every game Arkansas has played, even in their losses, they've not struggled to put up points. They've struggled to stop people at times, but they're they're a high-scoring team. And we did stop them, and we had to stop them in a number of ways. I mean, when we started this game, Blake Baker decided he was going to put pressure on that offensive line and particularly KJ Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas and got to the quarterback. And oh, we have seven sacks in this game. Amazing. Amazing. The way we put pressure on them. And then they, they started, they made changes. They adapted and they tried to fool us with the running backs, the handoffs, you know, was Jefferson going to keep it? Is it going to be the running back? And it did, it put us on our heels a little bit. Baker adapted to that, put a spy on him, and again, shut that shit down. By halftime, Jefferson, who was running all over us, he got shut down, and Arkansas, they they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball. So it wasn't just one strategy on defense that worked or one particular type of player that worked. This 
the defense was evolving throughout the game. They were responding to what Arkansas was giving them and continued to be one step ahead of Arkansas throughout. And as much as it is Brady Cook's victory, this defense made sure that it was within reach. They consistently put Arkansas in, in third and long. The linebackers deserve as much credit as anybody. Chad Bailey and uh, Hopper did a great job setting the edge, um, especially in the second half, keeping uh, Jefferson from being able to get the corner. It was it was a really good effort on the defense. I mean, you're not going to find any complaints on the defensive side of things. And offensively, they played well. Uh, receivers caught balls. Brady Cook made connections. Trader came up with runs when he needed to, um, though the running game wasn't you know phenomenal. He got first downs at times. It was it was an unexpected win and a very I don't know. It just feels good to beat Arkansas. I know they don't want to pretend they're not our rival, um, but they are just by virtue of proximity and and just attitude. This is just a dismissive attitude, as if they're some sort of blue blood um, and having to come down. Yeah, and without any, just they haven't earned that at all. I like where it's coming from. I don't know. Like, what does Arkansas think they possess? That is so much better than we have. I don't know. I, I mean, and we have just flat out fucking owned them. And it's not just a bunch of Missouri fans like us sticking our finger in their eye, which is so much fun to do. But national media were saying, hey, I guess this isn't a rivalry because Missouri fucking owns Arkansas. You know, it was coming from all directions because it just, well, one, it was on national television on CBS. So a lot of people saw it. Great. And two, Seven, six out of the last seven years, we've beaten this fucking team. You know, like I think eight out of the last 10 years, we have owned them for an entire decade. And when you, <laughs> when they're mad at us for 10 years, I don't care what you want to call it. That's a rivalry. You know, um, it's not a rivalry and then it's not competitive because we're, you know, we look at, we. I said this to one of the Arkansas fans on Twitter. I said, we don't respect you. We don't think about you. We don't care about you. You are Vanderbilt of the West. We can't dismiss you more highly. And um, that's the way I feel about Arkansas. I mean, I don't fear them. You know, they won last year, Colin. And it was the first year that I realized they actually had a red bar that goes on that giant trophy. I thought it just had the gold bar. I didn't know. You know, I, I don't remember a time when it had the red bar because it had been so long. Yeah. It's not like they, they housed us either the year before. I mean, it's fine. That's part of the reason it makes Arkansas fun is because no fan base is more convinced they're going to beat you every year and more – no fan base loses more consistently to Missouri than Arkansas. And no fan base um, so produces makes- better sour grapes. Sour grapes. They're as delusional as Tennessee fans almost. I don't want to, nobody's going to ever take the crown from Tennessee fans as the most egregiously ridiculous, terrible, delusional fan base that is Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is the Karen of the SEC. Now, and God we, bless South Carolina the, for doing what they did to Tennessee last week. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Arkansas really works hard at it. Well, and Arkansas has accomplished nothing. It's absolutely fucking nothing. Since we've been in the conference, they can talk about Missouri all they want. Arkansas has been a fucking dog. Absolute dog. They just run through coaches. They all fail miserably. I mean, we've seen the the arc that Sam Pittman is now on. We've seen it before with Brett Bielema, where everybody talks him up and he's in the next greatest thing. And now they're all calling for his head. And saying he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, you know what? Colin, you said it when he was hired. He does his shtick and it'll be exposed and then we'll be right back where we started from. And that is where we are now. I mean, last year it looked like things were going in the right direction for him. But that was a one-year facade. Barry Odom may get fucking fired as their defensive coordinator. I mean, they hate Barry it's Odom a, now. This stupid catchphrase, sitcom dad crap, is it's great for boosters. And it's yes, fun sir. for fans. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make you a good 
or bad football coach. Well, and it's one of the complaints oh, yeah. we have about Eli Drinkwitz. Talk all you want, buddy, but you got to win some football yeah, games. Exactly. And I think um, I think it's only prudent on our part as fans not to buy in wholly on Drinkwitz because we love him at a press conference. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what so many Arkansas fans did. They like Sam Pittman won the press conference. And then he started winning more games. And by winning more games, I mean, it was – what was the first season they got so amped up about? I mean, how many games did he win? Three or four or something like that? Like, mm-hmm. wow, they're really heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, holy cow. Like, the bar had been – I mean, Arkansas fans had moved the bar so low they could – they didn't even realize how sort of ridiculous it looked from the outside holding Sam Pittman up as this – pillar of coaching excellence. M- Ms. Obcast fans who have been around for a while will know that we called this from the beginning and we said he was a cartoon character and cl- a clown and we compared him to Mike Leach in that respect and we started you know, spitballing the idea for a sitcom which we haven't been able to pitch to any major networks yet but How I uh, Met Your Monkey, was that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's right. Uh, because it was the, uh, there was a stripper involved. I can't remember the cock yeah. defender. I can't remember. We have to look that up, but uh, somebody will remember. Yeah. Phil will remember. Super fan Phil. But uh, yeah, How I Met Your Monkey, uh, starring Sam Pittman and Michael Leach. I mean, backup job once he gets fired at Arkansas. It was, it was a very cathartic feeling to win that game. And for a couple of reasons, one, just everything you said about Arkansas fans being horrible, Sam Pittman being a fucking clown and a fraud, Barry Odom, obviously being a douchebag. And then just the fact that it made us bowl eligible and we are going to be playing football, you know, in December in some terrible bowl somewhere, but we're 500 with a chance to be, you know, have a winning record at the end of the season going into next season. And I think Colin, I mean, I don't want to step on anything if you got more to talk about in this football game. Well, but Derek, I did want to say that yeah. it makes me sick that a Bryles is um, coaching in the SEC. It just it speaks to like the the uh, the nature of coaching. You know, what I mean, like you just know that everybody's like, man, your dad got a bad rap down there in Baylor. <laughs> sure, you can have a job. You know what I mean? Like, listen, we know your old man. He's a good guy. That's right. You know what I mean? You're, you come it's, from good uh, stock. So <laughs> yeah. You're, you got a football mind, son. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is like, so God. incestuous. Yeah, like it does. There's no, there's no, like, oh, we can't, you know, I guess don't hold uh, the son guilty of the sins of the father, but it, it's if, sure, but would, if his last name wasn't Bryles, would he be the offensive coordinator for Arkansas right now? Yeah. Um, probably not. Uh, it just, uh, I was just like, Bryles. Well, I mean, well, Barry crazy. Odom was guilty of it when he hired Derek Dooley. But Colin, I think, you know, the player, who had some of the most success in this game for Mizzou was obviously Dominique Lovett. And I don't know what point you want to get into it, but obviously we're recording this Sunday night and the rumor mill has it that uh, it's not even a rumor mill. It's been reported on some places that he's going to enter the transfer portal. And the talk is a big reason why is he's been floated a lot of NIL deals. And certainly, you know, Mizzou is not a destination that you would think would generate a lot of NIL money. And you also see that uh, there's Luther Burden potato chips at every grocery store. There's Luther Burden predatory pawn shops at the, (laughs) you know, Tiger John, you know, floating some of that uh, predatory poor people money, Luther Burden's way. And then of course, uh, you know, the Drewings are giving some of that Joe Mockins money to Luther Burden, who's a freshman wide receiver who doesn't have any of the numbers compared to Dominic Lovett. And you think Dominic Lovett, it's seeing all of this loser burden money and thinking, yeah, maybe I can find something somewhere else. Somebody gave me a little grief on Twitter because I pointed out that that rusty drewing Luther Burden commercial yeah. was one of the most it was terrible, awkward, cringeworthy things I've ever seen. Worse than the uh, Aaron Saxon Associates 
Travis Kelsey commercials. <laughs> Those are bad. Uh, oh, God. You know what I mean? I just want to go, hey, guys, you're going to spend all this money to get a personality, you know, a sports personality. Like, hire a professional advertising yeah. agency to do this. I mean, if you're going to invest your dollar, you know, if you're going to spend the money, why? It's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, going to a fucking five-star restaurant and ordering a ham sandwich. You're like, oh, why Spaghetti. are we spending all this money if you're just going to order? Yeah, like you're just going to get, you're going to go to Olive Garden. It, it drives me crazy. I don't know, tangent, I guess, but I was just like, oh boy. But it did. I got to point out to me on Twitter, like, well, at least he's spending money, RIL money. I was like, no, that's true. That's true. They would not want to discourage that at all. If you want to believe the rumors that you know that there's uh, both that, that there's six figure deals on the on the table for Love It, and Mizzou can only handle afford one six figure deal right now, and that's Luther Burton. And uh, I don't know. That, that is complete speculation and, and just rumor mill shit. And it's it, it's disconcerting as a Mizzou fan, and I think disconcerting as a any mid tier fan of any football team. Going, how long is it going to be before this is just a minor league? Every time you have a player that blossoms at your program, uh, one of a blue chip programs with a huge, huge booster network is going to just buy them up, just buy your players. And some, I saw a lot of people compare it to to uh, professional sports, and I said on Twitter that no, because in professional sports they have most leagues have created rules to limit just this sort of problem. You know, they have salary caps, they have luxury taxes, they they try to keep teams from doing this. But right now, the NIL is the wild west, and yeah, I, um, I am all in favor of players getting paid, but unregulated, it's going to be it's going to be hard on on programs. Like Mizzou. Well, the NCAA bungles everything as badly as things can be bungled. And obviously, the the wind was at the sails of pay- players finally getting compensated for what they do. It's clear that the value of what they do on the football field is worth far more than a single full-ride scholarship. You know, they, they have a high market value. And when the NIL deal started coming on, it was the beginning of an evolution where players will be compensated and we're, we're just getting away from pretending like these are college students and this is a business. It's just a flat out business. And, you know, and, and the NCAA has been such an inept, impotent organization for years that in a country where the DMV here is not corrupt, you know, you go to some countries and you've got to bribe somebody to get a license or whatever college football, where you would think, why would they be corrupt? is famously corrupt. I mean, for, for 50, 60 years, you just, it's a joke that, you know, players get paid under the table, that they get cars, they get briefcases full of money, they get prostitutes, like every major program cheats and cheats and cheats. And we all know there's just like massive corruption and it's just part of the culture of college football. And now it's somewhat legal and we're going towards a system where players are getting a salary, but because the, the NCAA can't, read the tea leaves and because they bungle everything so badly, it's going to be this big, ugly, messy, fucking strange evolution in the same way that moving to a playoff system has been terribly slow and bumpy and terrible. It's getting there. And I'm glad, I think the destination is the right destination, but it's just being handled so poorly. And I do think that teams like Mizzou could get chewed up in the wake. And it's, it's the way they have done it is the worst possible way. Cause if, as you said, if they had read the tea leaves, they could have built a structure for compensation and then sort of assimilated it into college football. But instead, they just let the genie out. Yeah. Well, and, and I think now there's this genie 
you know, just flying around the room, granting wishes to every player in the fucking country. And how do you get him back in the bottle? How do you say, okay, well, I know for the last three years, it's just been the wild West, but now everybody get inside of this structure, getting that everybody back into some sort of semblance of a, of a, of a rule set is going to be much harder than if they had just started inside of some rule set and let that evolve. But as you say, the, the NCAA is famously mismanaged, famously bad at, at um, dealing with problems, famously just, just a terrible rerun organization. It almost its entire history has been just marked by how criminally mismanaged it has been since its inception, really. And but what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you're going to fire, but the NCAA. I mean, it's run by the same a cabal of old, rich, white guys who are pretty hard to topple. Well, and I think the ultimate destination where this really belongs is that the the schools or the teams that are utilizing the services of these players will eventually be the ones directly paying for the player services. You know, like in any other job, you know, in any other league where you want somebody to play on your team or be a part of your organization. You compensate them for their services. Now we have this sort of side system where you get businesses in the neighbor, in the <laughs> businesses in the community to do your dirty work for you, or tell the fans you need to pay these players directly. That's not going to last well, forever. That's not a sustainable system. Eventually, what will happen? Mark my words: is the teams will pay the players to come and be on their team, and eventually. We're just kind of getting away from the fact that they're tied to the universities that their name is on the jersey of at all, you know, because that's really just a loose association at this point. It's very, nobody thinks they go to class. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not, a, it's, nobody's fooled by this anymore. And so it's just, we're in well, the, the beginning stages of it. I think the quickest solve, and I, and the most likely solve will be a salary cap. Well, they will, they're yeah. going to, going to sit down in a room and they're going to force some of the uh, big boys to come to a decision. You know, Alabama and Ohio State and Texas and these sorts of programs, Notre Dame, and they're going to come up with a number and they're going to say every team, it can have $10 million. That's, that's your yearly budget. And if you can raise $10 million, that's how much you can pay out to your program. And then the arms race will become these programs that can easily have $10 million. Whereas Mizzou will be like, hey, Mizzou's budget this year is 8.3. That's what they managed to raise. So they're still fighting with one arm behind their back. But any team that can get to $10 million as far as the salary cap is concerned, theoretically, is playing on a level playing field again. I think that's the probably the, the – sim- I mean, it's, the, it's basically the NFL structure, and that is what college football is becoming is the NFL. More playoffs, division, huge divisions. I mean, we're, we're moving every day towards an AFC-NFC circumstance where um, you know there's 30 teams on each side. Um, these these conferences continue to realign and get larger. Um, the, the money's flowing in. Um, the playoff system, though, seems stagnated right now. Eventually, we'll move to more teams because money walks, bullshit talks, and everybody knows that the playoff system makes money. And the more playoff teams there are, the more money they will make. There are a few guys making some money off the bowl system now. Eventually, they will die. And, uh, and, and, uh, somebody's going to say, look at the books and go, yeah, that was good for that one guy who owned the Rose bowl, but fuck that guy. He's dead. Or we don't care what he thinks anymore. Let's all make more money. And we're going to end up with a 12 team playoff. All these things are on the horizon. You can, I, I guess at the end of the day, long story long, is that it's becoming professional sports. You know, there is no amateur portion of it anymore. And as a 
professional sport, they're going to have to be professionals at every level, not just as players and coaches, but as a business, as a organization that's being run. And the NCAA is not a professional organization. It's a fucking clown show. But eventually somebody's going to come around and just finally turn this into the business that it's been trying to pretend it's not for the last 30 years. More close to home and in the immediate circumstance with Dominique Lovett. You know, we talked about obviously being interested in more NIL money, but we also spitballed the notion that uh, maybe he wasn't thrilled with the fact that, uh, you know, he's a wide receiver. Ultimately, his goal is to go into the NFL and he's done really well with a very mediocre quarterback and no complete prospect next year of having any better quarterback thrown to him. I don't know. You know, this is a business, so I don't know how much that plays into it. But I mean, certainly, certainly. If he wants a better highlight reel for his NFL draft stock, I don't know, getting passes from Brady Cook overthrowing him or underthrowing him or throwing behind him is the best way to go. And, uh, you know, how much do you think Brady Cook being a pretty terrible quarterback impacts Dominic Lovett's decision about where to play next year? Um, It certainly has a role. I mean, it's certainly something that when these teams are contacting him to enter the portal that they're bringing up, like, listen, Brady Cook's never going to be able to put you in the NFL, but my quarterback can't. My roster can certainly. So that's, you know, anybody that's even the biggest Brady Cook fan has to acknowledge that Brady Cook is something that other teams are probably using as ammunition to change players' minds. Uh, in this case, love it. But I think as much as anything, it's probably Luther Burton. And you mentioned it before. I mean, Luther Burton is um, the king of the campus right now. And if you're Dominic Glover, going, you're going, I had a better season than him. Yeah, and I want the love, you know, and so it's hard for me to imagine that love is going to come from, you know, an Alabama or an Auburn or an LSU, some big team, because I'm sure that's who's going to end up. You're going to end up signing with some big boy for a bunch of money. But I think that's what Drinkwitz was alluding to in his press conference when he's saying that you maybe you're not happy with your role, or maybe you're just trading one problem for another, and the grass isn't always greener because. Lovett's going to have a role in Mizzou. I mean, he's going to continue to be a, a, a significant part of our offense, even with Burton. But um, he probably wants to be the big man on campus, and they're probably offering him a lot of money and a lot of cachet. Yeah, it's um, hard to fault a guy for taking more money. You know what I mean? Like bettering his own no. life. Uh, I've, Again, and and I've him. seen people come at him for doing it, and I think, fuck off, man. Let this kid do what's best for him. I would love to keep him as a tiger. And I hope there's ways we can, because it's not written in stone yet, but all the tea leaves indicate that he is gone. Uh, but well, everybody needs to just, I mean, it is a business. We all need to stop pretending it's not a business. I mean, it is not an amateur sport anymore. The minute the players became payable is the moment this became a fully and completely professional sport. And we talked about NIL, uh, so, but it, it's in tandem with the transfer portal. Those two things work side by yeah, side. Yeah. And the, you know, the transfer portal giveth and it taketh away. I mean, we might be losing love it here, but what a year Tyron Hopper had, right? And uh, where'd he come from? Florida. We pulled him out of the transfer mm-hmm. portal and there's no guarantee. That, lies. Yeah. Came from Clemson. There's no guarantee we won't do some magic again. Drinkwitz seems to know how the portal works. I mean, for all the shit I've given Drinkwitz, when it comes to the off, he, he runs a great off season. I'll say that. You know what I mean? So we're going to, we're going to lose some guys and it's going to hurt, but who knows what we're going to pick up on the other side of it. And that's just the reality of the business of college football. Now we'll call in the, besides the news about love it, I think with the win over Arkansas, it sparks a new conversation, which is, you know, 
maybe not even so much which bowl we go to, but what our opponent will be because we look at the schedule and what teams did what, and you see the University of Kansas for the first time in a very long time, I don't know, since the Orange Bowl, uh, is bowl eligible. They had six wins, and they are going somewhere to a mediocre bowl, much like Mizzou. And you have to think that a bowl organizer, a lowly Liberty Bowl-style organizer, is trying to fill seats in some crappy stadium somewhere for a mid-December bowl. And it's almost a guarantee that if you put the University of Missouri and the University of Kansas up against each other in a bowl game, even if it's a meaningless bowl, they're going to fill that stadium and they're going to put eyes on the television sets. It seems like a match made in heaven. (sighs) Do you think it will? Do you think Missouri and Kansas will play each other in a bowl? Like you said, I think as much as anything, it's going to be desirable from the standpoint that it's, you know, these bowls, their biggest challenge every year is fans, getting fans to the games, making people care about these bowl games. And if you're below average bowl, Kansas and Missouri, I think would be a, I mean, just a slam dunk. You know, uh, how do you, what, what's going to motivate these two fan bases more to come out and watch than to have them play one another? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't imagine that Missouri ends up at a bowl game with a, a team like, say, like Wake Forest, and they that or Baylor maybe. How could that? Yeah, how could that conceivably draw more fans than a Missouri Kansas matchup? Because you're not talking about in Missouri or Wake Forest or even Baylor for that matter, teams that travel extremely well anyway or care about each other them, in any way. Yeah, and then you put them in this, this sort of mediocre bowl. I mean, it, from if I'm the guy having to market this game and sell tickets, I'm going, hey, we need to see if we can get Kansas and Missouri in a stadium together. I can't find a good reason why this shouldn't happen. I mean, I certainly would be excited about it in a way that I wouldn't be excited otherwise. I mean, I, I want Mizzou desperately to end the season above 500 for the first time in many, many years. You know, I mean, Barry Odom couldn't win a bowl. Drinkwitz has been unable to do it. It would be a big stepping stone, and then to do it against the University of Kansas, there'd be a holiday sweetness to that. Yeah, I think everybody's rooting for it. Um, probably even Kansas to an extent. I think they've they're pretty high on their team, and um, I'm sure they are probably looking at Missouri a little bit like Arkansas did. And that oh, it's Missouri's not very good right now. You know, we could probably beat Missouri. What a great chance to stick our dirty Jayhawk thumbs in their eye, and. Um, I think we could beat Kansas, honestly, pretty relatively easily with this defense, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go to break, Colin, I just want to – I feel like we've undersold how good it felt to beat Arkansas. I mean, it felt really good to finish the season on a high note like that, to take that trophy back and to stick our thumb in the noses of the – you know, one of the worst fan bases in the conference for sure and certainly one of the worst teams in the conference, to be frank. And, you know, it was just – Lovett had a great game. You know, Brady Cook had a great game. Mookie Cooper had a great game. Where'd he been, you know? and Well, uh, Barrett Bannister was out. Suddenly, Mookie Cooper had a role on this team. Sure, that's right. And I'm sure his mom's happy about that. She'd been tweeting, disgruntled about him not getting p- tick in the past. But uh, Well, and the, the truth is, is, Missouri's got a really deep uh, wide receiver core. Yeah. You're talking about Toski Dove. and Yeah, I haven't heard his name much Mookie this year, Cooper, and I loved him. Mackay Miller. Love it. And Burden, Mackay Miller's come on. Um, and that's and Looper's not even healthy. It's just a really deep position group, man. And then the defense, you just look at those numbers and you got a hopper, 11 total tackles, nine solo tackles, two tackles for a loss. Robinson had four solo tackles and a sack. And, um, Isaiah McGuire continues to be impressive. Two sacks, uh, five total tackles. I mean, just everybody on that defense was putting people down onto the ground. 
it was it was a total team win. I mean, that's what Drinkowitz talked about in his postgame press conference, and he was right. It was an absolute team win. I mean, Schrader did his job. Cook did his job. Lovett did his job. Burden did his job, had a touchdown. It it was, I mean, it felt really good in a way that a lot of Missouri games this year haven't felt. Yeah, it's always nice to beat Arkansas. Congratulations to the football team. They looked good. They played a good game. It was really a complete game. They, on, in all aspects, they played pretty well. It was there was no nothing really to complain about. It looked yeah. like a good, competent, well coached football team. And um, kudos to Drinkwitz and kudos to uh, to Brady Cook. Yeah, absolutely. And in a year where we've been pretty critical and grumpy about a lot of things in this year and the coaching and the play and this and that. Um, ever, you know, it, I've never felt better to get shut up. You know what I mean? Like I, I want them to prove us wrong and they certainly did so on Friday. So way to go tigers. We'll take our first break here what the fans thought about it. And, uh, we're going to have some sour grapes for you. So we'll look forward to that. This is the Mazzotcast. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. back and as excited as we were for this big Missouri win on Friday I think the fans were just as excited so why don't we get into it now it's the Mazzotcast mailbag here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes I want to wail hey what's up fucking idiot uh, fourth quarter hey jackpot like Archie's about to take the lead back on you look once that happens we don't need to throw these 50, 60-yard chunk bombs down the field. They don't fucking work. They need to dial it up in wet fart mode, start handing it off to that damn junior college running back, three, four yards in a cloud of dust, and, and win this thing. Eat up about 10 minutes off that damn clock. That's what I want to see. Good luck the rest of the way. M-I-Z-C-O, me, and you. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Carolina Jackpot's had a good couple of weeks uh, between South Carolina beating Tennessee and then Clemson. So congrats to him. But that is kind of what we did. I mean, Missouri tried to fritter it away at a couple points, but eventually we held on thanks to some great defense. Yeah, I was worried our play calling was getting a little tight, but, you know, they managed to, to run the ball effectively. Kudos to our offensive line on that. Play sour grapes. <laughs> Check. Will do. Are we going to get some Arkansas sour grapes? <laughs> yes, sir! Yes, sir. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of that yes, sir, and shit these days, do you? Hell yeah, we just beat Arkansas. Tampax.com bowl, here we come. Versus Kansas. <laughs> Fuck the Jayhawks. Sour grapes. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Yes, sir! <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Palmer. 
in the misery index. And we smoking that woo pig pack tonight, baby. Chug Bear can suck my dick. He's homo cum. Homo cum. I don't know what that was. We want Kansas. We want Kansas. We want Kansas. Bring them on. Playing Kansas would certainly make me care more about a bowl game. We're all going to be fucking tonight. We're going to be fucking. We're going to be fucking. We're going to be having sex tonight. We're going to be fucking. I'm here naked in my room here. We're going to be fucking tonight. We're going to be Tell fucking. Because we beat the shit out of those damn pigs. Yeah. You're going to have to find a woman. What's up, guys? It's Jay. Uh, my fingers are hurting a little bit for all those sour grapes sweets I was researching for y'all. But I just wanted to say, Arkansas fans have been like, oh, you know, this game is gone Super Bowl. We don't care. It's just like, if y'all are not able to get up and play a game in the SEC, y'all should not be playing football in the SEC. The players care. The coaches are getting paid millions of dollars from the fans that supposedly don't care. So, whatever. Good one from Mizzou. Uh, Drinkwitz, definitely, uh, he's not won me over yet, again, but he's definitely on the right track. Let's go win a bowl game, go 7-6, and six, and build on that for next year. M-I-Z. Yeah, I appreciate uh, Jay Bryan's help on all the sour grapes. It uh, takes Collins one job away from him. Yep, thank you, Jay Bryan. Yeah, I think everybody's excited. I'm excited. I think this is, uh, we win a bowl game, it, it definitely... Um, you know, makes me feel better about where the program's headed. And then I think it, um, I'm not unhappy right now. I, I mm-hmm. feel like Drinkwitz is, is a guy who can, is the right guy for the job when you're living in this world with a portal, with recruiting being so important. And maybe that puts less emphasis on the X's and O's, but it, that's just the nature of the beast nowadays. That Auburn game was a real punch in the dick, but wins like in Arkansas, you know, it makes it seem much further away than it used to be. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just sitting here right now. I'm a little bit half lit. I'm a little. It's a little bit surreal. Hey, did anybody happen to catch the fact that Gamecocks gave the Taters that big old dick today? Woo! Took them down, baby. First time in 40 games. Clemson goes down at home. South Carolina, 31. Clemson, 30. Good Lord. Could you imagine if we just showed up against you fuckers? We might be in a decent bowl. By God. This is our bowl game today. This is Super Bowl, man. Holy shit, guys. I can't believe it. And, uh, your bowl I, game, I, I hope y'all play Kansas. I hope you beat the absolute fucking shit out of them. And, um, damn, just, 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 damn, man. Damn. I, I can't believe it, dude. All I got to say, just damn. <laughs> Woo! Go Cox! M-I-Z-Z-O, me, and fucking you. Woo! <laughs> now, aren't you glad you didn't jump in that bathtub holding that toaster after that lost jackpot? You'd have, you'd have missed out on all of this. Well, you know what? It turned out to be kind of a good year for Jackpot and his Gamecocks and Mizzou. I mean, we beat the shit out of the Gamecocks, and when we did, they looked like dead men walking. I mean, I didn't think South Carolina was going to win another game all year, and I think we caught them at the know. right time. I mean, I don't know what it says for Mizzou, and I don't know what it says for South Carolina about how lopsided that game really was, but shit, they uh, they got hotter and hotter, and they beat a couple of teams they were absolutely not supposed to beat. And it, I tell you, it makes Missouri's win over them look better. So, I mean, I'm glad for it. I'm sure Caroline Jackpot's glad about it. Both of these teams are happy. You know, come it's the end of November. We're both happy. The other thing, Colin, is that uh, when we win, we don't get nearly as many voicemails. 
<laughs> People like to call in and bitch. They sure do. <laughs> well, it's kind of like I always say about comedians. It's like nobody wants people, you know, bitching about your wife is funny. Telling everybody how great your wife isn't funny. So yeah. it's, you know, I kind of feel the same way about the voicemail line. It's like, it's not near as much fun to scream about a win as it is to scream about how mad you are that something didn't go your way. Yeah. Well, I think the voicemail line is therapy for the fans, right? And so you don't need therapy when you're very, very happy. But uh, besides the Missouri win over Arkansas and the South Carolina win over Clemson, there were a lot of other rivalry games this weekend. So why don't we jump into Around the Horn? We we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the Paul Feinbot? Will do. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. All right, so why don't we just jump right into it? The first game of the weekend and rivalry weekend was the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. This has become a game that people who don't care about these two teams always seem to enjoy because it's always close and it always gets weird. Uh, this one was at Ole Miss and Mississippi State came in against number 20 Ole Miss and upset them 24 to 22. Uh, they both end up finishing with the same record of eight and four, four and four in conference play. Ole Miss really kind of sank down the stretch. I think they lost three of their last four games. Lane Kiffin's squad did not complete this season very strong, and uh, Michael Leach and company took advantage. Bulldogs were the victors. I think I can't, I can't help but think that their head coach's name being all over the news about a possible um, replacement of Auburn helped probably them this weekend. Maybe the, the the Auburn coaching search talk has been weird, and Lane Kiffin was all over it, certainly that week. I, it had to be quite a distraction for sure. Mississippi State has been a dangerous program all year long. I mean, they've, you know, they're eight and four and the, won a lot of games that nobody expected them to. And I, I don't know, this is just a typical Mike Leach season. I feel like he's an eight and four kind of coach, you know, and he's not a guy you want to play against, but he's also not a guy that you take seriously as a national title contender either. It's not a surprising outcome, I guess. I didn't look at either one of these teams as markedly better than the other. Yeah. Moving down to the Friday games, Florida took on Florida State in Tallahassee. Florida State was 8-3 and three going into this ranked number 16 in the country. Florida, not a good team. They kept it close, though. Ultimately, Florida State did win 45-38. to 38. Florida put together 14 fourth-quarter points. Ultimately, it was not enough. I think this was sort of the outcome everybody sort of expected. Florida State winning, you mean? Florida State beating Florida. 9-3, number 16, Florida State over a lumbering 6-6 six and six Florida team. Yeah. I, 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 no, don't be wrong. That's what the stats say, but I just – I don't know. I just didn't look at Florida State as that strong a football team. I guess I understood Florida not being the favorite, but well, I mean, look at the, it was a it was a touchdown game. You know, Florida State beat them by a touchdown. I don't think that's that's kind of where it was supposed to be. You know, and then Georgia took on Georgia Tech. I think this was one of the least interesting games on the docket. Number one, Georgia clobbered Georgia Tech, thirty-seven to fourteen. Georgia finished the season twelve and zero. Georgia Tech's five and seven. Georgia's closest game of the year was the Missouri game. Without a doubt. Not sure about that. 
yeah, like I said, uh, Missouri's defense is gonna is gonna give you games like that. In a much more interesting game, LSU and A and M had the late game. A uh, and M, which has just been an awful team all year, defeated number five LSU thirty eight to twenty three. It was an ass whipping, and frankly, just destroyed any chance LSU had at a possible playoff berth. I mean, LSU was the fifth man in a four man playoff contest. And all they had to do was beat a terrible Texas A&M team. And not only could they not get it done, they couldn't even compete against Texas A&M. <laughs> Three-win team. It's, it, is a, it is a colossal bedwetting. I mean, yeah. just hot dog water down both legs. Hot dog uh, water. Just shit the bed. Chili through a trumpet. An outcome you cannot have for LSU. It was. You cannot have. I, I would... I wish I should have gone onto Twitter just to roll around in the rage that I have no doubt was there because uh, Brian Kelly, I mean, just shat him. LSU lost to Florida State at the outset of the season, and people wanted to rip Brian Kelly's head off and absolutely righted the ship at LSU, played a really great season there, got themselves to number five in the country. And I'm telling you, they win this game. They go on, and if they were somehow to beat Georgia in the SEC championship, had a real shot of making the college football playoff this year. And it's all done. Forget about it. Over right now. That's fucking blown out by a fucking terrible Jimbo Fisher team, which now was five and seven, one of the few teams in the conference which will not go bowling. I, I just couldn't believe the way. And, and it wasn't a fluke win either. I mean, they just absolutely put it on LSU all the way through, start to finish. It wasn't competitive. I, I just, how do you, I guess they just fell asleep. You know, I, I guess. I, how do you do that? Just, though? How do you do it? I get, I mean, they're, they're, they're a three win team. They, they essentially see them as Vanderbilt. I just think they're going to sleepwalk through it. They get their asses kicked. You know, the one thing that Texas A&M, they may have a terrible coach and they may be having a terrible season, but their roster is full of a gob of talent. Yeah. And so you just, you know, that's always makes a team dangerous. The iron bowl, Alabama rolled over, Auburn, I think the only story I saw in that game that was of note to me was that uh, Nick Saban looked like he'd been in a fucking back alley fight. <laughs> yeah. He looked rough. I don't know what happened to him. Somebody, I think a player smacked into him, sort of like the Rams-Chiefs game tonight that the coaches are taking a beating on the sidelines. You're right about that. It, it'll be interesting next season. I mean, I think one of the, the big stories going into next season is going to be who is Alabama? You know, is this – um, this year a blip on the radar or is this the beginning of the end not a chance yeah it's crazy it's just the expectations are so crazy they're, they finish the season 10 and 2 number 7 in the country a top 10 team and they're fucking pissed well and, and legitimately have people like me questioning whether or not again is this the beginning of the end and, you know all things come to an end yeah. all things no no and, um, one day it will be the beginning of the end you should be fired and is this it, or is this again just a blip on the radar? It's only so much going into next season. Only so much unicorn blood that Nick Saban can drink to keep, uh, keep yeah. going. There's only so many homeless people he can murder in the night to satiate his rage. I'll have another bloodlust. South Carolina. We mentioned beat Clemson thirty-one to thirty. We're happy for Carolina jackpots. That was a good game to watch and it was i mean south carolina looked the equal to number eight clemson who finishes the season 10 and 2 as well uh any hopes that clemson had of being a playoff contender on the uh, dark horse they're over with now and uh, south carolina's eight and four and really has wind at their back heading into next season and they did it with spencer radler i should, yeah. or I should say in spite of <laughs> um so you know who who knows i mean they get some talent at the quarterback position who knows and then uh, Tennessee took out all their rage this season and their 
embarrassing defeat against South Carolina. They took it all out on lowly Vanderbilt, beating them 56 to nothing in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Now, you talk about Josh Heupel running up the score because he had to make a good showing for the playoff committee. There's no reason they had to do this to Vanderbilt. <laughs> He's just a dickhead. He's a prick. Fuck him and fuck Tennessee. Well, and I honestly, my hope is, as a Mizzou fan, that what we're seeing with Josh Heupel is a guy who's got a good offense uh, with some good players, but by the end of the season, teams were figuring Tennessee out, which means that whatever Heupel's doing, he isn't changing much throughout the season, and people are figuring it out. So what's Tennessee doing in the offseason? You know, how do they mix things up? How do they how much talent comes in, I don't know, but Tennessee does not look like the same football team they did earlier this season. And I think teams are always sort of moving in one direction, the other up or down. And it's, it's sort of what gives you enthusiasm for the team going into next season. And honestly, after this win against Arkansas, I feel like that enthusiasm and that momentum is building for Mizzou. And I don't feel that way about Tennessee right now. Well, I, I feel think- like they, they're, they peaked early and now they're in, there are inherent flaws in the hypo system. You know, it is too much scoring. It is too fast. It is very detrimental to, detrimental to your defense. Uh, we know that as Mizzou fans. And uh, one thing I'll say about Heupel is everywhere he's gone, he's run this offense. And everywhere he's gone, he has put his defense uh, in the fuck seat. And he doesn't seem like he's ever going to change that mindset. And I always worry about the longevity of a coach who is going to constantly put one half of this team behind the eight ball. Tennessee finished Number 10 in the country, 10-2, and two, a great record, obviously. The season kind of ended on a dud note against South Carolina. But I think part of it is that Tennessee is moving in the right direction. They just maybe got ahead of themselves a little bit. You know, it takes some time to get where you want to be. And they had, had promise last year, and it looked like they skipped a step. The year they thought they'd have next year, they were having it this year. But ultimately – I think they, they weren't that team yet. And maybe they will be. Maybe Tennessee will be a title contender next year. I don't know. but Because I, I do think there are flaws in Heifel's system, as you mentioned. But I think what ultimately happened was they thought they were a title contender this year, and they're not there yet by any means. Tennessee is still the pick to win the SEC East. No, and I think, um, while I think Hooker is overrated, Hendon Hooker is a redshirt senior, and nothing nosedives a program faster than bad quarterback play. So what's what's next year look like for the for the balls? Yeah. I don't know. I just I'm not sold on the balls. I wasn't sold on when the season started, and I sort of felt like maybe I was a bit of a fool when they came out of the gate so hot. And granted, they had a great season regardless. But like I said, I I'm not a hypo believer. I just after seeing him at Mizzou and watching him run the offense out there, and you know, especially when we were dealing with the Mizzou offense, where you could go three and out in 37 seconds and have a bunch of really good football players on defense out there winded and, and just not making any sort of strategic adjustment <laughs> at any point in any of those yeah. games to address that. Yeah. Even if you feel like this guy's not, co- this guy's just got a system and he's not coaching. This is just a paint by numbers thing. When, when you need to bleed clock and just fucking take a knee, he's still fucking running tempo. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't yeah. know how to turn it off. Uh, and you know, if he does it's with, when Josh Heibel doesn't have a quarterback, it's like we used to call it the fastest three and out in football. You know, that's what he runs. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, anyway, it was a great season. So there we have every reason to think they'll be good next year. Uh, hopefully we can beat those fuckers again soon because I do hate them. Um, the final game on the docket was Kentucky playing Louisville, number 25 Louisville. 
in Lexington, Kentucky got the win over their rivals and uh, finished their season seven and five, five and three. This was, I think, kind of a disappointing season for Mark Stoops and company. I think, you know, I don't know what Kentucky's goal is. I mean, I know that obviously we win the national championship, win the SEC championship. Eh, it ain't happening at Kentucky, but, you know, they are putting up nine and ten win seasons with some regularity under Mark Stoops, and this is a setback, I think. And, you know, we certainly should have beaten them. By God, we should have beaten them. Not sure about that. But when finishing the season strong with a good win over a rival school out of conference, that's good for Kentucky. Um, they're going into a slightly better bowl than us. But, you know, they're still ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think if you're going to or play the long game with Brinkwitz in this program, you know, the next rung on that ladder is, is Kentucky. You need to you need to stick your foot directly on Kentucky and propel yourself up the ladder on top of their face. And so that's um, a bar definitely for next year for Drinkwitz because uh, for whatever reason, Kentucky is having to lose number a bit. Absolutely. we got to end that curse against Kentucky. Well, let's move forward, Colin, into next week. Obviously, we know Missouri beat Arkansas as well. And uh, the SEC conference game is next week's uh, championship week. Georgia, number one, will face number five, LSU. I mean, the do you want to take a guess at the spread or do you already know it? Oh, at least 10. And that's I, I wouldn't have said that without the just completely complete bedwetting this week. I would have said it would have been more heads up. You know, I've liked LSU of late, but man, you know, shitting the bed the way they did really makes you question who they are. But goddamn, Georgia's got Stetson Bennett, and you talk about the most unimpressive quarterback for a playoff team I've ever seen. And he reminds me of Brady Cook, and that the announcers are constantly telling you how tough Stetson Bennett is, mm-hmm. which is translation for us. You might as well be saying mediocre. Yeah. Man, this quarterback is mediocre. Just to just take the word tough and change it to mediocre. That's the game you're going to play when you watch these games. And every time you hear the word tough or, you know, uh, gritty, those sorts of words, heart, you just need to replace those with the word mediocre. Yeah. Stetson um, tough heart. Yeah. Stetson tough heart. That's exactly. And so that's the only reason I, I mean, imagine giving. Um, Georgia a good quarterback oh, they'd be unstoppable they sort of they're like a better Mizzou you know there's a there's definitely a ceiling for that program uh, in my opinion because of the quarterback there's definitely Achilles heel any, any team can have Georgia on a given day because of that quarterback situation the line is <laughs> 17 17 points so, and you talk yeah. about a you know in 2014 when Missouri played Alabama in the title game and people thought it was lopsided I mean was it a 17 point fucking line because goddamn LSU is limping into this one yeah I I I, I guess it makes sense that they kind of shat the bed a little bit because they have this big game on the other side of playing a three-win team and they just it's it was your classic trap game it's a trap yeah yeah it was. Um, it's uh, Admiral Akbar knew exactly what was coming with this game. So, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear. We all think George is going to win, and that will do it for Around the Horn. You know, it was obviously rivalry week against Arkansas, and that has special meaning for us because the defensive coordinator for the Arkansas Razorbacks was our former head coach and, frankly, friend of the show. Um, And he'd been... So kind this year, once again, to talk to us on the line now. We have former Mizzou head coach and current defensive coordinator for the Arkansas Razorbacks, Barry Odom. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Hey, 
Hey, boys, hey, hey, you got Barry talk at me. <laughs> well, it's been a long time since we heard that, and I missed it, Coach. Well, what's, what's going on there, Coach? Oh, I'm just having a bowl of ice cream. I'm treating myself. Yeah, is that right? What's the What's the occasion? Oh, uh, I'm staying up late watching the World Cup. Oh yeah, my favorite yeah. time of year. <laughs> Big soccer guy. You guys know that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, though I tell you what, this ice cream is just middling. I, you know, when I was in Missouri, there was this company called uh, what was it? Central Dairy. You boys made me familiar. Yeah, well, I am. And they made some pretty good ice cream, but uh, that I, I used to eat it in the tub quite a bit. But uh, well, I moved you down here used to, to eat it out of the tub, or used to eat it while you were in the tub. Well, I was in the tub. Okay, stag cold stag beer in one hand and a ice cream cone in the other. Anyways, moved down here to Arkansas, and they're uh, they've got their own sort of uh, central dairy, but it's called Chud's Milk Place. No, oh, is that right? I'll be honest with you, I'm not even sure if this is this is cow's milk. This ice cream is made from. You're still but eating. It'll it. do. Yeah, you're still eating it. I noticed. Well, like I said, Chud's the only guy selling it down here. <laughs> well, tell us, Coach, how are you doing? I mean, you, maybe you're reeling a little bit. Your uh, Arkansas Razorbacks uh, took one on the chin against or your former team, the Missouri Tigers. That has to especially be sort of a raw spot for you, I would think. Oh, man, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> you get right? used to it down here in Arkansas. I mean, you can tell. They're like, hey, man, there's a pretty good chance we're going to lose to Missouri. I'm <laughs> like, hey, you know what? I know that. I used to play for Missouri, and I used to coach at Missouri. And we, you know, we beat Arkansas. So, I mean, it's – it's it's kind of what I expected. Yeah, it's kind of what we expected too. I mean, uh, everybody seemed to expect it except Arkansas fans. Oh man, they're a bunch of loonies. I'll tell you what, boys, uh, they're a good bunch of people, but uh, they are simple. <laughs> That's something coming I mean, from you, Coach. I'm telling you what, there are some real window lickers down here. I'm telling you what, boys, they're dumb down here. I've I've seen more than one of them take a donut back to the hole in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, man, their antenna don't pick up all the channels and. Uh, their belt don't hit all the loops. <laughs> yeah, I think I get what you're saying, Coach. But it's great for me. Like I said, they have made me the uh, professor of uh, astrophysics at the University of Arkansas, in yeah. addition to being defensive coordinator. How's that working out for you? Uh, I mean, it's okay, I suppose. We made paper airplanes on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the first step to getting there. Um, how was uh, Coach Pittman and the team after after the defeat? What was the morale like for the Razorbacks? Oh, those guys are such sticks in the mud, such sour sports, you know what I mean? Like, you'd think they'd be used to it by now. <laughs> I was like, screw this. I'm going home. I'm getting in a freezer. I'm grabbing me some Chud's Milk Place. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to watch some soccer and forget about it. Yeah, climbing the old tub. Get to get the tub with a with a big old gallon jug of Chud's Milk Place ice cream. Yeah. And, uh, and drink a beer and watch some, watch some soccer, man. Hey, I feel like stag beer is probably hard to come by down there. What What are you drinking down there in Razorback country? Oh, I've got my sources for stag. Oh, is that I've right? i got sort of a Smokey and the Bandit thing going on. <laughs> is, that, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I tell uh, TJ Moe that I'll introduce him to the My Pillow guy if he'll bring me beer. And he does it every time. <laughs> what Do you actually introduce him or does he come up dry? No, I always tell him he's in the bathroom. <laughs> Come back next time. <laughs> Do you know the Montello guy? No, not at all. But I know that he's one of TJ's favorites. He does seem like a cool guy, though. All right. Um, well, I'm glad you can get your stag beer, Coach. I, uh, You know, there are times where I feel like I, I almost miss having you up here. I mean, not obviously on Saturdays during football games, but, uh, you know, <laughs> during the week. I miss you boys, too. I mean, you can't lie. I was infinitely more likable than that dimwit you got now. Well, there are times where a drink was wears out as welcome. I will admit that. 
I'll say this for him. He's got personality. And I didn't have any of that, not the podium anyway. No. I, I mean, saved that for you boys here on the show. <laughs> you sure did. Yeah. The, the highlight, I think, of your coaching personality was setting a trash can on fire. Hey, man, I'm still proud of that moment. Now, that was a, <laughs> purely by accident. Yeah. I put a cigarette out in it. Yeah. But, uh, I had to come up with something. I come up with it fast. I'm like <laughs> the old Grinch. I thought up a lie and I thought it up quick. Yeah, that's important. You got to stick to it. Think it up fast and stick to your guns. Yeah, well, and, you know, I hope you did have a, a happy Thanksgiving. I know that uh, coming up here for the football game probably puts a little hitch in your holiday plans, but uh, Thanksgiving's a big, big holiday, I'm sure, for the Odom household. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, especially this year with the, with the uh, you know, World Cup going on. Yeah. Yeah, I assume you're rooting for the United States. Sure, I am. <laughs> Milk Place is an official sponsor. That's <laughs> true. True enough. All right, coach. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off for another year? Well, just that uh, I hope I keep my job so I can come and see you boys next year and uh, we can do this all over again, including losing to you guys. <laughs> it seems to be our jam. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be your jam. Uh, we look forward to that part. M I Z, boys, and Woo Pig Suey. Same to you, Coach. Uh, Merry Christmas. All right, Colin. It's always good to talk to uh, Coach Odom, but uh, I think we're really what the fans are wanting. It's time once again for a segment that, God, we never thought we were going to play, but I'm excited to play this jingle. It's time for Sour Grapes. What you got there, Sour Grapes? You got a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, them Sour Grapes. You brought them Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes, Sour Grapes. Colin J. Brian did a yeoman's work. I mean, I think he put like 200 sour grapes tweets. The problem was there were just so many. I mean, it was just like trying to drink water through a fucking fire hose as far as sour grapes yeah. were concerned. The uh, Arkansas fans brought it. I yep. guess we'll just dive right in. What do you got for Clutch us? Sports at uh, Clutch Sports Arkansas. No excuse for losing this game. Horrible. Just horrible. Just a, something to wet your pal a little bit there. Uh, just to tell you that you're very, very upset with the loss. Mm-hmm. Mason Jakota at Jakota Mason wrote, Arkansas's team is better than 6-6, six and six, but it earned that record. Arkansas should always beat Missouri, especially the Missouri team this year. Injuries, being outcoached. Not being motivated, etc., just can't be excused. Sour grapes. Listen, we should always beat Missouri mentality. You almost never beat us. You almost never beat yeah, us. I know. At what point does that well, sink into your the, fat head? It's always the injuries. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as if every team at this point in the season isn't dealing with injuries. Well, there's also the attitude, and this is a new narrative, which is what they say to make themselves feel better, is that our players just didn't care about the game. They came into this SEC conference game to end their season, and because they were playing Missouri and they hate Missouri, or because they're so disinterested in Missouri, they just didn't play. And I'm like, really? And this team that's owned us for a decade, we just don't care about them. Yeah, you fucking kidding me. Bullshit. This one's nice because this guy's a blue check, Marky. He's a He's a, like a radio personality in the area. He's not an area. $8 blue check marker. <laughs> uh, he's probably, he might be an $8. Who knows? Missouri empties out Arkansas's trophy case with a 29 to 27 victory win in Columbia. Just no excuse for a program like Arkansas to lose to a team with less of just about everything the way they have over the last few years. This is the sixth loss to Missouri in the last seven years. Awful. Sour I don't, grapes. I mean, it is awful. What exactly does Arkansas have that we don't? <laughs> I mean, they act like we're just like, 
They have they have to practice on a dirt field outside. You know what I mean? Their weights are like five gallon buckets with concrete poured in them on a stick. Yeah, like, what are you guys talking about? Well, th- there's a lot of talk about how Missouri doesn't have the same facilities, and I'm like, y'all, did, when you were at the game, did you see the hundred million dollar practice facility <laughs> going up in the background there? <laughs> Stephanie Signs too wrote, "Fuck Mizzou," classic always. Yeah, always. Sour grapes. Aaron Hafner wrote, "Lost to Mizzou." Wow. Salad grapes. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I've got one here. Uh, Steelers sucks. Says, Missouri fans brag and they beat us in a sport we suck at. When we're a top basketball school, baseball school, and much, much more. While Missouri is trash at every sport. Salad grapes. So at least this guy admits they suck at football. But yeah. <laughs> Arkansas hangs their hat quite a bit on being a track school. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> ASGI guy wrote, wow, Mizzou going crazy for barely making a bowl game. Cute. <laughs> Salad grapes. Yeah, yeah. It is cute. JD May wrote, I'd rather play LSU the day after Thanksgiving. This made up Mizzou rivalry is trash. And I responded to this on Twitter by saying, Why would LSU want you? Yeah. You can't even beat Missouri by your own admission. You guys are, we own you guys. What would LSU want to, if you're going to go off of history, LSU is a pretty good football team that would routinely beat Missouri. Yeah. So why would LSU want to beat? want to play the team that gets routinely beat by Missouri. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of delusion in the fan base. Colin, I got here at, at Bone Man Electric says, Arkansas-Mizzou is not a rivalry. Never was, never will be. And I can confidently say that it sucks. And Mizzou doesn't belong in the SEC. Thank you and have a nice evening. Salad And I always say to this, if we don't belong in the SEC and we beat you every year, where do you belong, dickheads? Where do you belong? Uh, Mike Van Cleve uh, wrote, we could be number one and Mizzou 120, and they'd still find a way to beat us. So when they come trash talking later about their football team being superior to ours, they aren't right. It is just one day a year. So this guy's, <laughs> this guy's basically thesis is, is that every other day of the year, then the day we play Arkansas, Arkansas is better than us. That is a bold take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's something. Uh, Josh Rand says, I'm tired of losing to Mizzou. It's just like when we used to do against LSU. We don't respect the opponent, and they play like it's their Super Bowl, especially at home. Embarrassing. Salad grapes. This is another notion of Arkansas fans, that this was somehow our Super Bowl. And I told them, many of them, I said, no, it is not our Super Bowl. In fact, we don't think of you at all. We don't respect you. We look at it as somewhat of an automatic win. Uh, fuck you. You know, it's certainly not our Super Bowl. You, you've never seen us, except the year I think we beat them to go to the SEC championship game. We don't exactly rush the field when we beat you. We just go home and yawn because it's another year, another W over yeah. a lowly Arkansas team. Nick Pruitt wrote, fuck, fuck, fuck. God damn it. I'm tired of losing to fucking Missouri. Fuck. Fuck. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yeah. Here's one. It makes me feel bad this guy's just life is ruined because Missouri beat his football team. That doesn't make me feel bad. It makes me happy. Gordy in a bunch of numbers writes, I can't believe we're going to lose to an inferior Missouri team again. And I wrote back to him and I said, I don't know that you know what the word inferior means. (laughs) When then he deleted that tweet, by the way. Sad Chiefs fan wrote, every, fire every single coach and coordinator. This team is trash. Bench KJ. He shouldn't be a Razorback. I feel like KJ Jefferson has pretty been pretty instrumental in the record that Arkansas has managed to put together. Right. And uh, so, but he's ready to bench him. He's ready to pull the pull the cord. 
Yep. Here's another one. Uh, Derek Smith says, why, oh, why do we always play terrible against an inferior Missouri team? Sour grapes. And again, I have to say, uh, do you know what inferior means? Because <sighs> there's one team that seems inferior, but it ain't Missouri. At the Hogs Probs wrote this, and this might be the most delusional shit I have read regarding this football game. I'm tired of being Mizzou's Super Bowl. This is the one game a year they always have circled on their calendar while we're focused on winning championships. <laughs> Sour grapes. Are, I'm not done, Brendan. Sorry, I just had to stop and laugh. <laughs> they are so they are only focused on beating us. It's yeah. time to end this series. So this guy's literally saying they're so focused on us, they keep beating us. Uh, so let's just take our ball and go home. Yeah, we can't win, so let's stop playing them. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's, we got to stop playing this team that's circling us on the calendar. I, again, this perception that they're our Super Bowl for some reason, as if we haven't just owned them. Yeah. <laughs> it, they're, I mean, they are a fucked up group of human beings. They are. I mean, their idea of where they are in the world and where we are. They are wildly out of whack with reality. At True Fan, $8 check mark writes, If I'm Pittman, my halftime speech consists of don't let this bitch-ass Missouri team led by Coach Dorkwitz embarrass you, and then I walk out. Sour great. I'm sure that will work great. Um, Dorkwitz is the best they can do for a nickname. Like, uh, Eli Drinkwitz. And again, um, it's because he wears glasses, I guess. Matthew Morsmith, 2408, wrote, How does Arkansas always lose to terrible Missouri teams? I feel like it might be because you guys are more terrible. Yeah, it's because we score more points than you. I, I should write that back to him just so he knows. <laughs> uh, here's one I like. Can't stand Dorkwitz. Could give a shit about Ms. Who as a team. Compare historical records. And Mo is nobody. Salad um, I don't think this guy has compared historical records because if you do look at them, We've got 10 wins and they've got four wins. And then if you look at our historical, just how we are as a program, go to Winsipedia and it's not so lopsided. It's not like if you put Mizzou on one side and then Alabama on the other side, it doesn't look so good for Mizzou there. You put Mizzou and then you put Arkansas. I think maybe Arkansas fans should compare our historical stats because maybe they get a better dose of reality. Yeah, I Arkansas should be realist. You know, I think that's what ultimately what Mizzou fans are is realist. Mm-hmm. We know what we are, and we're striving for more, obviously, but we understand what we are. We're a mid-tier program scraping to to reach that top tier, and um, it's what we've always been. You know, there's always the preeminent teams in whatever conference we're in, and we're that middle section bumping up against that, that ceiling, trying to bust up, bust in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Arkansas is, too. You know what I mean? They're a mid-tier team that's, you know, trying to jump up once if ever so often and, and give somebody a run for their money. In fact, they're probably worse than Mizzou, at least in, as it's set up right now, because they're in the West. They, you know, they don't even have the advantage of playing the East where they might be able to pull off an East championship the way Mizzou did. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the barriers to entry for that East championship is basically Georgia. Tennessee had an up year this year. Uh, and maybe it'll be Florida next year. Maybe Tennessee be good again. Who knows? But in the West with LSU and Alabama and Auburn, and then you never it seems like Mississippi State or Mississippi or Old Miss, one of the others, could be pretty decent in a given year. Just they they don't even have a chance to win a division championship, let alone anything beyond that. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just I wouldn't bet on them to have any kind of sustained success, at least more than Mizzou will. Uh, Clutch Sports Arkansas wrote later. Uh, he's from before. 
I'm tired of pretending like this isn't a rivalry game. I hate Mizzou. I hate their dorky coach. I hate their ugly colors. I hate their shitty stadium. I hate their dumbass fans and their poverty state. I care about winning. I care about winning this trophy, and you should too. Woo pig suey. Oh, well, for- I, the poverty state something that's been thrown out a lot. I've noticed in these uh, a lot of tweets from Arkansas, and, and that's pretty rich coming from. If, check notes, Arkansas. I mean, can I, Colin? I want to tell you something. So, you know, my wife is from Mississippi, and I remember when we were still dating, and we were driving down to visit her family. We had to we drive down I fifty five, and you know, one of the biggest regrets about marrying somebody from Mississippi is that means for about seventy miles. I have to drive through Arkansas to get there. And uh, we make sure to gas up in the boot heels so that we don't have to stop while we're in the godforsaken fucking state of Arkansas. And I didn't know that at the time. I, did, I made this mistake. I stopped at Blytheville, Arkansas. And uh, it's not too far down once you get past the border into the state of Arkansas. But uh, in Blytheville, the gas station, I uh, pulled up to the stop and I started pumping. And I noticed the pump was just barely tick. Dick. I mean, there was hardly any gas coming in. And <laughs> so I uh, I walk into the actual store to kind of see what's going on. And there's a young boy who's standing on the sidewalk outside the door. He's sh- he's wearing no shoes. And this is not the Great Depression. This was like 2017. And uh, <laughs> he was urinating off the sidewalk onto the, uh, <laughs> onto the parking lot of the gas station beside the front sure. door. So I walk by the urinating shoeless boy and <laughs> go in he to flick the cigarette at you <laughs> he flicked the cigarette at me <laughs> i go in and i said uh, i think there's something wrong with pump five there's it's really really slow and he goes oh we're we're out of gas and i'm like you're a gas station right like that's the one thing you're supposed to have is is gas. And again, this wasn't the Great Depression. It wasn't World War II. There weren't shortages and there were, it wasn't like they were rationing. It was just a day in like 2017, 18. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've got like a dollar forty sevens worth of gas that I have been able to pump trickle into my car. So can I just pay that? So I give him a $5 bill and he says, we don't have any cash or change. So I, he had to give me the Sacagawea gold dollar coins that nobody ever has or wants <laughs> as change because they the didn't have gas. They didn't have money. The only thing they had was shoeless urinating children. And yeah, this and was, Chud's milk place ice cream. <laughs> apparently. And, and so this is these people are calling us a poverty state. Yeah, Blytheville, Arkansas. Wanna... They're, they're, I'm telling you, if you're ever in Blytheville, Arkansas, fucking just. Keep on going. If you need gas, just fucking pray on fumes that you can get to Memphis. Because, fuck, it's a terrible, terrible place. It's a horrible yeah, state. Go ahead and just look up the uh, the financial drains on our uh, federal government and just see where Arkansas ranks on that list. You'll you'll find that the poverty state is pretty rich coming from it. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, uh, TDWin222 writes, y'all, our poverty program, has zero future in any sport, a ceiling of five wins in football. We just won six. Thank you, Arkansas. Uh, basketball teams that are just awful. Thanks for Brazil, though. Baseball team in shambles and some of the worst facilities in the country, too. Sour grapes. Again, with the facilities talk, I'm like, 
There's a lot of somebody said that we have bad facilities on some of their message boards, and they've obviously never been here, and they don't know. I mean, we just dumped ninety five million dollars into a south end zone complex. We were dumping a hundred million dollars into a practice facility. The east facade of the stadium was completely redone about five years ago. This whole facility's talking. What are you fucking talking about, Arkansas? Give me a goddamn break. Not to mention your entire fucking football stadium is named after a Mizzou alum. You cocksuckers need us. And every one of these fucking <laughs> Arkansas people who are bitching and bitching about this loss and telling us how much they don't care about this rivalry, every one of them in their profile says, big Cardinals fan, go Blues. And I'm like... You cocksuckers have such a shithole state. You just like Kansas people. They rely on all of our sports programs, all of our professional sports, all of our amenities to enjoy their lives. (laughs) That's right. That's right. The only way they can enjoy their lives is to come into Missouri and root for our teams because their garbage fucking trailer park of a fucking state has bubkis. Gitsugo Pierce writes, Arkansas hits six and six and we want to fire everyone. Mizzou hit six and six, and they're celebrating on social media because it's their Super Bowl perspective. Sour grapes. Yeah, this was. Uh, I saw some of this a lot too, and I just want to be like, man, you just know what the expectations were going into both of our seasons, right? Like Mizzou was. This was a rebuilding year at best. Everybody thought so. You know, we were hoping for seven wins would be a good year for us this year, and maybe we're going to get there because things are going in the right direction at the end of the year. Arkansas thought this was going to be the fucking year. They made a statement in the West. And you know where you finished in the fucking West, Arkansas? You are a bottom feeder. So, yeah, if we have a slightly better outlook about having the same record as you, it's because you fucking underperformed and we are performing on schedule. So go fuck off. That's what I mean. We're not delusional. You know, we knew what our team was. And uh, we weren't we weren't taken in by Sam Pittman. I mean, you know what I mean? Like this, this whole fan base was taken in. By a fucking fat idiot snake oil salesman, ultimately. And that's fraud. what they're mad about. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they hired this fat fucking fraud and thought they were going to fucking conquer the world. And now it turns out they're just the same old fucking festering pile of hobo cum they've always been. Hobo cum. And they're shocked by it. Yeah. Patrick Goodwin wrote, Missouri treats Arkansas as their Super Bowl, while Arkansas treats them like an FCS team. And you wonder why we never show up. Sour like grapes. I mean, again, have we not? They won one time in the last seven years. Well, and here's the thing about that weird logic is that say Arkansas was playing an FCS team and lost, would he be happy about it? No, you'd expect to win, you dumb fuck. Are you saying that you expect to lose to lesser talent? Like, what that doesn't even make any sense. So, one, it's not true. We beat you every fucking year, so you're delusional. And two, even if we were a lot shittier than you, shouldn't you expect to win? Like, why would you not show up to a game just because you thought you were better? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Mark Anderson at Razorback 40s wrote, Missouri is basically the litmus test for suck. If you lose to Missouri, you suck. If you beat them, you clear the lowest bar entry to the level up the ladder. They are the litmus test of sucking. Sorry. We have lost to them, and that means we sucked. Well, this guy... uh just learned about the word litmus test yeah. um, yesterday. <laughs> I guess I uh, I feel like if you put that in reverse based on history, that makes a little more sense. Like, yeah, Missouri doesn't have to be that good. Now, they they, they weren't very good, but they just didn't, didn't suck so bad they you know, got beat by Arkansas. I feel mm-hmm. like that would be the lot make more sense. Well, and 
when I see these tweets, Colin, I always think I want to say, you know what? I agree with you. You do suck. You know, like however you're getting there, I agree ultimately that you suck. Arkansas fucking sucks. So we're in agreement. Um, I like this one. It's from uh, Dave N at Dave Normandy wrote, wow, we lost to misery. <laughs> well, on to basketball season. We know we won't have to worry about Mizzou there. Laugh emoji. And the reason I thought about this one was like, listen, Arkansas is a good football basketball team. And odds are we probably won't beat Arkansas, but we're a whole lot better than we were last year at our at basketball and nothing would be sweeter. No, oh, nothing around the table. And if we go in, we, we beat Arkansas at basketball because right now that's their, they're sticking this big feather in their cap because they know their basketball team is going to be good. They know they got their best, one of their best players from Missouri. Um, so nothing would make me happier. Colin Matthew Glass writes, regardless of the outcome, Glad to be a Hog fan. Can you imagine Missouri being your team? I hate playing this game and that fake rivalry. Sour grapes. I mean, yeah, whatever you got to say to yourself, you fucking sleep at night, kid, because your team fucking sucks and they do every goddamn year. So, fine. Sarah Williams writes, really hate losing to one of the most goofiest looking coaches. Your name is Dorkowitz for a reason, and you aren't even that good. These stupid curses with Mizzou and A and M continue. <laughs> I, Sour I mean, grapes. It's like a bunch of fifth graders. Yeah, it may be. Uh, Adam Lucas writes, "Hate Missouri. Unacceptable to lose to them. Woo pig always though." Sour and grapes. Now you, it's, you may not accept. You clearly don't accept it because you do it every year and you still are surprised. So, I guess it is unacceptable. Brennan, let's just. We got to stop somewhere. Lord knows there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. But we're going to say Chick Bro at uh, Chick Bro underscore wrote Missouri can actually go fuck themselves. <laughs> Salad grapes. Oh, it's sweet. It's sweet. Sweet nectar to the soul. Well, and then, Colin, I do want to mention it's not really sour grapes, but last year when Missouri had their one victory over us. By the way, we got a lot when of you, these. It wasn't Arkansas just Jay Bryanson. Yeah, Arkansas. When Last year when Arkansas had their one victory over us, there was a lot of big talk. Like, they, this happens all the time for them. You know, it's like I remember people saying, you're never going to win one again. You know, that enjoy the little streak you had because that's it forever. Or <laughs> yep, they got Sam Pittman. Now we're never losing to Missouri ever again. That was that's their it. dynasty begun. That's right. It it it's something else because they they're just so goddamn delusional, and they were really just crowing about it last year. And it makes me so happy that we beat them this year because they they see they thought it was impossibility. It just wasn't possible that they could ever lose again to Missouri. The fact that it never happened before. First of all, they wipe it from their memory banks. They have the goldfish memory so that they can continue to think that they're better for no reason. And at some point, it's just like with Tennessee. It's like, okay, you have sucked for a solid decade. How many shitty years in a row do you have to have before you're just shitty? You know, like at what point do the good years get erased by the decades of shittiness? And uh, apparently losing 10 and winning four over the course of an entire series against two programs isn't enough. By the way, I do want to congratulate Arkansas last year on their longest winning streak against Missouri ever. One game. Yep. Congrats, Arkansas. All right, Colin. I think that'll do it. Sour grapes. Sour grapes. Felt good. Felt and real good. Yeah. I feel like usually we do Arkansas news in, mm-hmm. in honor of the Arkansas week, but yeah. How long is this show going? I mean, I feel oh. like sour grapes may have uh, eaten into our 
Yeah, we can. We Arkansas can, news. We can do Arkansas news another time. I mean, look, Colin. Obviously, I have been slacking the last few weeks. You mentioned uh, my twin boys coming home and uh, distracting me from my important podcasting duties. But we can uh, we can delve into those matters now that the regular season is done. We got championship next. Maybe during championship week, we can explore into some Arkansas news. Perfect. Well, we do have some jobs that we do need to finish up before we end this show, though, Colin. And the first one is TJ Moe's Deuce of the Week. I've got a couple of candidates, Colin. You can tell me who you would like to uh, not, to win this son of a bitch. But it's sometimes it's tough for us to pick douche of the week candidates. But I feel like not so much this week. The first one is uh, during the Louisville Kentucky game. I'm sure you didn't pay much attention to that one, but. At one point, a Louisville freshman, Chris Bell, took a water bottle from the sidelines and threw it at Kentucky fans in the st- in the stands. Now, I know that there are times when fans get a little out of line and chuck stuff onto the field, but for an actual player to throw a projectile into the stands at fans, I have to wonder if that kid's going to be on the team next year. It just all depends on how good he is. But, um, <laughs> That's true. I can definitely understand the impulse of wanting to throw things at Kentucky fans. Sure. I'm not going to say he's a monster for doing something that we'd all like to do, but he did it, and it's going to be trouble, and it's a pretty douchey move. I will say that he threw it. I mean, look, the throw looked a lot like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. It was Napoleon, a, it was a tough looking throw, and I think us seeing his throwing arm motion might be punishment enough for the kid, but – I don't know. I think it's it's enough to definitely warrant a douche of the week candidacy. All right. But the other douche of the week candidate comes a little bit closer to home. And actually, our own Coach Drinkowitz referenced this in his post-game press conference. Arkansas has an announcer by the name of Chuck Barrett. And prior to the football game, he talked about the University of Missouri Tigers. And this is what he had to say. When asked about a place he did not like to go in the SEC, he said, I guess if I had to pick one place, it would be Columbia, Missouri. Barrett mentioned the frequent cold weather during the sports that he calls in the northernmost SEC campus is one reason, but he was only heating up at that point. He said, guys, I got to tell you, maybe I'm the only one, but I've developed a sincere dislike for Missouri. I don't think they take their sports seriously. I don't think it just means more. They act like they're a little bit better than those of us in the Southern Corridor, and let's put it that way. I've just never cared for them. I don't think they've progressed very much since they've been in the SEC. When I see their facilities, I'm sure they've done some things here and there, but it's nothing magnificent. There's no Baum Stadium. There's no Fred Smith Football Center. They don't have things like that. And I've wondered why, because they've got plenty of cash rolling in now. Their only prayer of being good in this conference is a coach like Gary Pinkle. Missouri's in the trenches right now. They're nowhere close, and they need an old-school guy to come in there and reemphasize what wins games. So, uh, like I said, Drinkwitz mentioned that in his post-game press conference because he loves to rub shit in. And you know what? Whenever you get called out like that, good on you. You made your statement and you get to fucking rub it in because you won the game. But for an actual announcer, imagine imagine if Mike Kelly went somewhere and was saying this about Arkansas. Can you imagine what the Arkansas fans well, would Well, Brendan, Mike Kelly would never do that because Mike Kelly's a professional. He's not uh, a world-class I mean, piece of shit the- like Chuck Barrett of Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, we're you know we expect our professionals to act like professionals, but you know when you come from a fucking urine sink backwater, you can I guess have people like this on your staff. Yeah, um, we have, you know, we I have mean, the crazy thing is you the sour grape tweets a lot of times, but like when you go through Twitter, there's a lot of quote unquote professional journalists talking head types that are making just outlandish statements about Mizzou. 
that illustrate how little they know about our program, our campus, our facilities, and just or about Columbia in general. A lot from, of time, yeah, yeah, they're just shooting from the hip like like some idiot podcast like us. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have Oliver Sadwell as our alternate mascot logo. I kind of think a a similar type of boy, but shoeless and urinating, would be the Arkansas version, don't you? Yeah, but we'll put like a like a jughead crown on him. He should be saying like authoritatively, "We're one of the." best and most storied sec programs ever or we are better than mizzou or i don't know we'll we'll, we'll figure something out but there needs to be some sort of false sense of superiority to go along with this cigarette smoking shoeless 10 year old yeah saying we're better than them ain't we sister mom (laughs) that's perfect Hmm. we'll get right to work on that yeah sister mom okay so are we good with uh, chuck barrett as being the douche of the week yeah for sure all right, you're the douche. Let's move on to the uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. A lot of candidates and a good win, Colin. Who do you want to give it to? Well, I mean, certainly Brady Cook. Again, going to have uh, be part of this conversation. I think Isaiah McGuire was as disruptive, you know, and that's saying a lot. But he was as disruptive this game as he's been in any game this season, and he has been a disruptive force in a lot of games. You know, Lovett had a good game again. I don't know. It's 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 a good problem to have when you've got enough guys playing solid football that this uh, decision becomes difficult. Yeah, Hopper also mentioned he was wonderful on defense. Mm, I, sure. I, I have a, a, I, I'm going to suggest we give it to Brady Cook, and here's why. I think that Lovett was probably the actual best player on the field on Friday. But Brady Cook played as well as he's played all year long and was as important to the team and the offense as he's been all year long. And, you know, if love, it's going to fucking give us the middle finger and head to greener pastures and fuck him. We ain't giving him the award, you know? So that's one reason to, uh, dismiss him. Well, let's not get out of this reports right now. He hasn't quite left yet. Maybe well, I know, but there's no talk of, you know, you know, all this talk about Brady cook being a Mizzou fan his whole life and wanting to be a quarterback his whole life. I'm just saying, rah, let's rah, not rah, very love it yet. Uh, I know. I'm just saying, there's talk about Lovett leaving, and I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fire where that smoke is. Brady Cook had a great game. Andy loves the Tigers, and he ain't going anywhere. Even if we wanted him to, he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, I agree with that. This was, if there was a game all year where he deserves this award, this was it. And as much shit as we have I talked agree. on Brady Cook all year long, I think we owe it to him in a way to give him the golden fleece agreed. And like I said, this was Arkansas game was not a game at the beginning of the season. We had any expectation of winning and we did win it. And we did it. Like I said, not be, in spite of Brady cook, but because of him. Yeah. And that is, that's a big, big statement. Few, yeah. That's one of the, it may be the only time I've been able to say that this season. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say they won in spite of him in a couple of games, you know, I, but they didn't win because of him. But um, they won because of him in this game. Yeah. And uh, they won in spite of him in other games. But this is the first game where I can say straight out, straight away, they won because of Brady Cook. That's good enough for me to give him the award. And so I think for the first time all year, and fittingly the, for the final game of the season, Brady Cook, you are the Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. I feel good about that. I do too. Well, Missouri, we'll find out in a few short weeks where we're going to be bowling and whether it's going to be Kansas or some other opponent. But the 
end of the story is that uh, we're still playing football, you know, in December. And that's a big deal because it means more practices for our guys, which obviously means a lot to Coach Drinkowitz. It's the reason that uh, Sam Horn played the same number of minutes as fucking Michael Porter Jr. his freshman year. Yeah. More practices, a chance to go for a winning record, a lot on the line, even if it's, you know, not in the national picture, but certainly for the trajectory of this program. I'm excited. And Eli Drinkwitz deserves some congrats for that. Absolutely. And Brendan, before we go, do you anything any thoughts on the basketball team? Yeah, I mean, gosh, we ought to talk more about basketball because I think they're seven and zero now. They haven't played anybody, and let's be honest, they haven't played anybody. They played garbage basketball teams, but they've done exactly what they're supposed to do against each and every one of these garbage basketball teams. And the final game they played, their defense looked a lot better. You know, it was a complete, total, big time win. Hundred points on the board, keeping their opponent scores low. You know, we're going to get beat up on the boards, no doubt. We're not a big squad. And when we play better teams, we're going to, the rebounding differential is going to hurt us, no question. And we're, this isn't a perfect team. But God damn, from a just fun factor, I, I, when I know the Mizzou's going to be playing, I'm finding that on the TV and I would want to go to see basketball games. And man, this has been a long time since I can say that. Between Kim Anderson and Conzo Martin, they never produced anything that was remotely close to fun. No. And I'll, yeah, you know, in the lieu of being a fucking title contender, I'll take a fun team. Yeah. They're long and athletic. And they dunk the basketball and they shoot well. And they, they are going to have some issues on defense. They're very aggressive on defense, which means a lot of steals, but it also means a lot of fouls. They're out of position a lot. Um, but you know, that can get remedied with some coaching as the way they go along. But it just, I think it's what I was so frustrated with and what I was trying to impart to our listeners when Konza was here, it's like, this is not what basketball is supposed to look like. You know, we got a bunch of guys built like Ben Affleck throwing layups up, doinking bricks off of the foot. You know what I mean? Like this. And then you see guys out there like Mosley and Shaw, Golston, and like just these big physical athletes playing a sport at a speed that we haven't seen in several years. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is what basketball is supposed to look like. Like I said, we may not have a world beating season, but I just want fans to look at the style of basketball and say, this looks right. Well, and so this, this is it, what it's supposed to look like. And the players we have that are supposed to have a role on this team, they, they look like they can do the role that they're assigned. Like, Konza would have his so-called three-point shooters, and they would shoot 25% from the fucking three-point line all year. And you'd be like, this is a guy he recruited to shoot three-pointers, and he fucking goes one for 14 from the fucking three-point stripe. And we got guys, if they're three-point shooters, they shoot three-pointers. You know, if they're forwards, they play well at forward. Everybody does well, their job. And it's it's not fair I, the way I talk about Conzo's teams. I mean, it's not Drew Smith and Mitchell Smith's fault that they had to be water carriers on that team because that's not who those guys are. Those guys are solid six men. You know what I mean? That's what they are. And they were having to carry, you know, truthfully, Kobe Brown as a senior is a developed, polished, good basketball player. But if Kobe Brown is your star player, your basketball team is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And that's who we were. And because Kobe Brown is a good role player, but he is not, you know, a star. And ultimately, when you're talking about basketball and five guys on a court at a time, basketball is a, is a sport built of stars. One star can, can completely change everything about the complexion about your basketball program. It's the only sport where one player can have such a huge impact. It's all about talent. And the truth is, 
Collins and Martin's team didn't have any talent. That didn't mean they had doesn't make all those guys bad basketball players, but it doesn't make them good enough to be the meat and potatoes of your basketball team. Well, and I think when you say they are, you know, Kansas guys are shaped like Ben Affleck too. You're talking about uh, they looked like the uh, Gone Girl Ben Affleck, not the Chasing Amy Ben Affleck of the late yeah, 90s. I mean, they're just. I just wanted to throw just, a 90s reference know. in there. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> you know, if, if my complaint is, and I know this is probably by design at this point during the season, is they sub too much. Yeah, I mean, they're, they they it's hard for this these groups to get in a rhythm. Every once in a while, Gates seems to let them a group of guys go for a while, and that's always fun to watch them get into the rhythm. But he has certainly thrown some combinations out there that didn't work, um, that looked sort of less than I'd say. But I think that's kind of what he's doing right now with this team. It's it's a lot, you know. There's only a handful of guys that are returning. Um, it's a completely new team, really, and so it's going to take some figuring out. But well, I and I think like Shaw and Mosley to play more. I feel like those those guys are, you know, those are that's thoroughbred talent there, and you want those guys on the floor as much as you can get them on the floor. But and I think when the games start meaning more, you're going to see that more. Yeah, I think this is the time you do start subbing guys out more than maybe you should is whenever you're sort of trying to get a feel for what this team is and who gels with who. And uh, you're, you're right. And I think not only is it a brand new team, but it's also a testament to the fact that you don't need five, six, seven, eight years to turn a program around. It's certainly in college, you know, in college sports, you get the right coach, things can happen really fast. And we don't realize that can happen because we haven't seen it happen in a long time. But Gates may be doing something special that, Conzo just couldn't fucking do. And the fact that he's made this team, he's injected life into this team in a single offseason, less than a full offseason, frankly, because he was just hired. It really deflates any argument people had for hanging on to Conzo for yet another year because it would you would have just gotten one more fucking lame 14-win Conzo year. You know, that that's what you were yeah. staring down the barrel at. And for anybody that was saying, we won another 12 and 13 or 14-win Conzo year, I just my mind just doesn't work the same way your mind works, and I cannot understand how you came to that conclusion, and it drives me crazy. Well, like I said, it's in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, sure um, is. Let's hope Eunice Gates can can coach because it seems like he can recruit, and it's the, the, I'm as optimistic right now about Mizzou's basketball team and really sports in general. I know, despite maybe Drinkwitz, you know, giving us trepidation at times, I feel like we've got two coaches right now in those big time sports who uh, know how to work the portal know how to recruit you know i don't know if i'm right or wrong but it's it's the more i plant my flag in the ground is there's no bigger component to college sports than recruiting it is place one through three in importance in college sports well and nothing I'll, else even gets to the top three <laughs> it's recruiting 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 i'll uh plant my flag on what my expectations are for this team because really it's the same i had for Conzo or any year for basketball and it's not outlandish i, I mean when we were getting mad at Conzo, people were like you expect him to win a national championship I mean, no i don't all i expect is a winning season i want i'd love to have 20 wins i'd love to make the tournament and i know a team's not going to make the tournament every year but i i expect my team to make the tournament each and every season because if you're not expecting it if you're not hoping for that why are you even rooting for them so i want them to make the tournament i'd love for them to get 20 wins and then ultimately i just want them to beat a few teams that people don't expect them to beat you know what i mean if you if you pull a win against kansas or you pull a win against kentucky or pull a win against a team that nobody saw coming that makes a season. You know what I mean? That is something to look back on and enjoy for an entire year. So 
I don't, we don't need to win the SEC. We don't need to go to the Elite Eight. We don't need to win a Final Four. It would, all those things would be wonderful, and I would certainly take them. But just making the tournament would be yeah, I, amazing. I would be so happy with Dennis Gates if he just made the tournament. Now, Conzo made the tournament a couple times and couldn't produce a fucking win. So if we could get a win in the tournament, then we're already miles ahead of anything Conzo Martin was able to produce here. You know, maybe a win in the tournament would be the, the high point of what my hopes would be. Anything beyond that would be gravy for me. Well, I think one of our frustrations with Conzo was that the bar we had set was just be one of the top 68 teams in the country because that's what it takes to get into the tournament. And I feel like this Mizzou team is certainly capable of it. Um, this Mizzou team looks better than all of but maybe one of Conzo's teams. And I, they're probably better than that team. They just haven't are seasoned yet. You know, I have, So if Conzo can make the tournament uh, multiple times, there's no reason this team can't. So I mean... I think the bar starts for Dennis Gates at make the tournament. The next year is you win a game in the tournament, and then you start you know, start managing those expectations based on new information. So we'll see what happens. We're seven and zero now, entering some of the more difficult parts of the schedule, and looking forward to it. And then on to a bowl game. So we'll be coming at you as best we can. Till then, M I Z. The OU. We're better than them, ain't we, sister mom?